Genesis 22. Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Genesis 22, starting at the first verse. I'm reading from the New King James translation. It might differ a little bit from yours. But if it bothers you that much, you can follow along on the screen. Genesis 22, beginning at the first verse from the New King James translation, the Bible says, Now it came to pass. Everybody look up at me. Somebody, the Spirit of God just spoke through those first few words. That the struggle that you're in, you need to know. The Spirit of God says to you, now it came to pass. Whatever you were in, it has passed over. You are released from that struggle. You're released from that drama. You're released from that trauma. You were stuck in it, but the storm has now passed over. And God needs you to know that it has come to pass. It is over with. It is now the next thing. It's the next level. It's the next stage. It's the next season. I don't know who this is for, but I couldn't get past the first few words because the Spirit of God told me to tell somebody that it has come to pass. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I'm not running. I'm not trying to hide from you. I'm not trying to shuck and jive. I hear you calling me and here I am. Then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love the one that you waited for for more than 25 years and you did all of this stuff by faith and on a promise take that son and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you get this picture 25 years before this, more than 25 years before this, God spoke to Abraham and said, even though you're old, even though you're 75, even though there's no Viagra, I'm going to let you get your wife pregnant. And I promise you, I'm going to give you a son. God made Abraham that promise And Abraham had to wait on the promise to come to pass for more than 25 years. He believed God. He got tested by God. He went through hell and high water. Finally, God gave him his promise. Now his son was growing. Now his son was here. And God said to him, now give him back to me. Wait, let me see if I get this right, God. The one you promised... The one I struggled to receive. God, you don't even like human sacrifices, God. Why would you ask for my son? 
out of all the stuff that I have that you can take, why this? I want to talk about today making a significant sacrifice. Making a significant sacrifice. As we continue with this series of talking through the vision for the rock center uh, this this kingdom outpost that god has called the refuge church and our partners to bring to pass in our community that will touch and minister to needs within our community that will help those who are the underserved and the underprivileged to be prepared to participate in the blessings that God is about to unloose and unleash in this area so that we will no longer be the underserved and the underprivileged. This, this vision that God has that's bigger than just church. It's about his kingdom coming to pass in the earth. As we've been talking through this thing, uh, we're, we're now at the point to kind of talk through what's next. Now that we see some aspect of it, now that we kind of understand some of it, what is it going to take for us to get from where we are to where God wants us to be to see this thing actually be manifested and operating and moving in our community? And the truth be told, in order for us to get there, it means we're going to have to make some significant sacrifices. Now, though our God is good, and though he is kind and he is understanding, you and I have to know that there will be times in walking with him that God will ask us for a significant sacrifice. I say a significant sacrifice because... uh, Too many times we want to give God what's left. See, everybody got tight because you think I'm talking about money. Everybody relax. Everybody just relax. In walking with God, watch this, in order to get what God has for you, sometimes he will ask us to give up stuff that we want to keep that we think is so important we need it to go into where God says he's going to take us. But here's the truth. We don't need anything but God. I got two amens, a help him Jesus, and a let me see what's happening on my phone right off down through there. Because we're okay if God asks us for little stuff. But what if he asks you to give up your habit? (laughs) I heard somebody move on, Pastor. (laughs) What if he asks you to give up what you love? What if he asks you to trust him so deeply that you will not know who you will be if you give up what he's asking you to give up? See, I I wish I could tell you that walking with God means that he just, all he does is love you and accept everything about you and you'll you'll be you and him holding hands and skipping through roses till you get to heaven. But the truth be told, God is not after our happiness. He's after our purpose. 
And so in order to bring about his purpose for us in our lives so that we walk in his purpose, every now and again, he'll ask us to make a significant sacrifice. Well, well, that kind of begs the question, why would God ask us to sacrifice something that is significant? Why would God ask Abraham, after all that he put Abraham through, why would God do what verse 1 says, or verse 2 says, and test him? Like, don't you know by now, God, that, ha, haven't I convinced you already that I, I trust you enough that I've put up with this for 25 long years? Anybody ever had God put you on hold? And, and when, listen, when God puts you on hold, he don't play. I mean... He puts you on hold, and, and he don't even play no music. <laughs> he can put you on hold for a long, long time. And it seems like if I've waited for you through being on hold, why would you have to test me again by asking for this significant sacrifice? Well, listen, as I've studied it, there's, there's only three reasons why God would do this. First of all, he'll only ask us to sacrifice something significant when he wants to accomplish his will. When he, what he's after is bigger than what you and I can see. That what, what God wants to accomplish is what he decided in the beginning before the beginning began to begin. And what he has desired, what he wills, what he wants to bring about will actually be better than you ever thought about. But in order to get there, he's got to ask you and I to trust him enough to sacrifice a significant aspect of what we love, what we like, and what we believe. Paul says it like this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Some of y'all might remember this. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, everything about you, all that you are, as a living sacrifice. And when you give all of that, he considers it holy. He accepts it. And watch this. It's the least that you can do. Because in verse 2, if you're not conformed to this world, but allow him to transform you by the renewing of your mind, watch this, you'll be able to walk in and understand and see and participate and be blessed by all that is his good and acceptable and perfect will. In order to accomplish his will, he's going to say, I need you to make a sacrifice. Watch this. God only asks for big when he wants to do big. So if he wants to do big, but I respond small, he'll always meet me at the level of my faith. Why would God ask us to make a significant sacrifice? First of all, to accomplish his will, but secondly, to stretch and grow our faith. He, he loves you the way that you are, but he knows there's more in you. 
he knows we can do better. He, he sees more potential in us than we see in ourselves. And so in order to get there, we, we've got to quit walking by sight. And we've got to walk by faith. We've got to trust him when we can't trace him. Watch this. Uh, the, the, the question becomes, when God asks Abraham to, to sacrifice his son, what, what was it that was going through Abraham's mind that can make him believe that God actually wanted this and to believe that God could help him deal with this. Well, we only find out in Hebrews 11, the the chapter on faith, where it kind of gives us the inside to what Abraham was thinking through all of this process. Watch what it says in Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, God literally said, I want to test your faith. I, I I want to exercise your faith. When he tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom that same son was said, in Isaac your your seed shall be called. But here's what Abraham had to be thinking. If God wants what I love, if God wants my son, and he wants me to offer him up, then in verse 19, we see that Abraham concluded that God was going to have to raise Isaac from the dead. God loves me so much, he wouldn't ask me for what he can't give back. And so I have to trust that if this is what God is asking for, God's going to give me the capability to give it, And to see what he's going to return because I gave it. But he's not going to show me that on the front side. He's going to make me stretch out on my faith and have to trust that this must be what God's going to do. And I'm going to put my faith in what I believe God is going to do. God has a tendency to stretch the boundaries of what we believe he can do by forcing us into this place where we have to trust him to do the impossible listen if if you hear if you thought you heard god and god said to you something that you could accomplish that doesn't require god that you can get done in your own power. You've got enough money to make it happen. You, you've got enough uh, education to make it happen. You, you've got everything that you need to get done what God asked you to do. Then you're in trouble because you haven't heard from God. Because God will, watch this, God will ask for something that it takes all of the God in us to believe what God said to us. If God doesn't make you, if, if God speaks to you and asks you to do something and it doesn't make you go, wait, what? Anybody other than me had one of them situations where you're like, I don't know about that, God. <laughs> You've been like, God, I, I love you, but I think you're tripping right now. He wants to stretch our faith and make us know that we can trust his impossibility becoming possible. 
because if he wants it from me, he's already figured out how to raise it up and bring it back to me. And Abraham figured if God wants this, then some kind of way he's got to figure out the details that I can't see. And I'm going to trust what I can't trace. Because listen, all of us want to walk by faith when it's GPS instructions giving you turn-by-turn directions. <laughs> Matter of fact, there are times when, I, when, when, the G, when Siri tells me to do something, I don't do it just to see if she can catch up. <laughs> don't act like it's me. Like, I'm going to see how fast it takes her to reroute. <laughs> because when they're telling you, turn right in 200 feet. That's easy to follow. When God says, I want you to give something significant and I'll let you know. And that's all he says. Mm. The, the, the third aspect, the third reason why God would ask for something significant is he's out to prove something. He's out to prove how supernaturally amazing he is at providing what you and I don't have. Because he's God. He's not the federal government, he's not the bank, he's not Santa Claus, he's God all by himself, and he specializes in supernaturally impossible provision. There's about four or five of us that if I gave the mic to you, you could testify about the fact that God has made ways out of no ways that didn't make sense, that even if you do the math today, you're not able to figure out how you made it, how you're here, why am I driving, what am I I'm driving, how did I get the promotion that I got, how did God do this? Now watch this. How is it or how should we respond? When God asks us for a significant sacrifice. Well, watch what happens in Genesis 22, verse 3. So God makes this mind-blowing, life-altering command to give up his son. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early the next morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. After God drops this bomb on him, Deacon Hargrove in, in my old church used to say, the Bible says, God, God says, I want you to offer up your son. The next day, Abraham gets up in order to start this journey. But notice what happens in verse 3. When he gets up early in the morning, the donkey is there to be saddled. The wood has already been prepared to be chopped. The two servants already know that they are going with him. Watch this. When God spoke to Abraham, the first thing Abraham did in order to respond to this request for a significant sacrifice is Abraham developed a plan for how to obey. Listen, because some of us, you know, when we think God speak to us, we run off half cocked and, and half donkeyed. 
Somebody's going to get that on their way home. And, and we, we just run out here trying to make all of this stuff happen. But God says, I want you to have a plan. If you're going to make this significant sacrifice, I want you to think through how to obey. Right? And in anything that God gives us to do, it's always to be done in small, doable parts. Y'all have heard the adage. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. The only way you and I can accomplish this amazing, significant thing that God wants to transform our lives in a way that it transforms our community is we've got to figure out how to break it down and plan for how to do it. Now, let me get my host to get me some help up here. I need some deacons and some hostesses and some hosts and some Holy Ghost people. I need to make sure everybody gets one. told y'all there was going to be some handouts there's going to be some charts there's going to be some stuff to do in thinking through how does refuge how do we allow God to use us to achieve the goal of two million dollars in two years Rather than tripping on the number, we've got to figure out how to break it down into small, doable parts that will allow us to accomplish God's will because of a plan. Watch this. God asks you to give a $1,000 gift over two years. God, I can't do that. It only requires $10 a week. We spend that in McDonald's in two days. If you take the grandkids, which it's all done in one shot. If you think about whatever number God gives you, there's a way to get there by thinking and developing a plan on how, don't, don't get tripped off on the big number. Think about the small doable stuff that you can do immediately. So look at, look at that two-year chart. Just thinking through what it would require, look at how much you could accomplish on the right-hand side in two years. So if God were to say to you, I want you to give $5,000, don't get upset like, Lord, I, I got bills to pay. I look at it and say, oh, I can do that. I just need to rearrange some things. I might need to have a garage sale. I might need to start some planning to figure out how to do that on a weekly or monthly basis, and I can get it done. It's significant, but it's not impossible. Uh, in, in, the, in thinking through how to eat the elephant, quit looking at the elephant. And look at the small bite sizes. Does that make sense to somebody in here? Now there are also, if, you, if we think about this planning phase, there's also three different ways that somebody could give. Okay? The first one is that you could save up that amount over time. And you can give annually. 
or you can give the one-time gift, our, our celebration Sunday, would be December the 6th, 2020. So you would have from first Sunday in November this year until December 6th, 2020, to figure out whatever that number is that God gives you, and you could save it up and give it through the envelope, or you can give it online, and you can do that one big fell swoop, or you could do it on an annual basis to get there. Or through, and I ain't even going to lie, this next one is my lane right here. Through disciplined or weekly regular giving toward whatever you pledge. Deciding based upon my budget, this is what's coming in. This is what needs to be paid. I have this much wiggle room. I can make some adjustments here. I can decide to to go slim brown bag it right here. And I can give this amount over every week or every pay period. And I can get to that amount in two years. And and watch this. We're going to set it up where you can even do it online or through Givelify because if you keep it, you're going to spend it. (laughs) Right? So every pay period, I'm going to give my tithe and I'm going to do my little bit because I know me. And by being disciplined, we we can do that. We can get to that point. Or even thinking through Um, Because many of us don't understand how much money we actually waste on a regular basis. Uh, Somebody who just, you know, you want to have a homework assignment. I I double dog dare you to look at that paycheck whenever it comes in. And and after, you know, FICA, whoever he is, when I find him, I'm going to whoop his tail. He's a thief. Uh, but as, as soon as FICA gets done taking his side and I give God his, I've got this much left on a regular basis. And these are my bills. And I guarantee you when you start looking at them, you, you'll recognize you got a little more money than you thought. But then because we're not disciplined, we end up with more month than money. And we talk about, I need God to bless me financially when I might just need to tighten up the belt and be a better steward. I ain't getting no amens right now. You notice that? Everybody just stop saying amen. There's also a third way that you could give, and that is what's called planned or legacy giving towards your pledge. That would be where you look at the stocks or the CDs or your 401k or some other long-term saving vehicle and you look at a specific amount to withdraw from that or you could include the rock in your estate planning. You could put it in your will. Don't be like Riri. Riri done went on in with no will. I'm not even going to ask how many people have a will. We're going to leave that one in Jesus' name right now. Uh, In Jesus' name, go find your financial planner. All right. You can look at whatever you're putting into your 401K, and you can decide, okay, I can take this much out. This would be the penalty that I would have to pay taxes on, but I could give this to what God is saying as my significant giving. Again, because there are some tax and or some legal issues, you would need to think through, pray through, plan through that, talk to your financial planner, talk to your attorney if you want to take that third route. Okay? But notice this. You can get it done. When In Exodus 35, when the people were, were coming together to build the tabernacle, they gave from these various sources. The Bible talks about how some of them gave dye. 
Some of them gave ram skin. Some of them gave goat hair. All of that stuff was considered their regular income because they were shepherds. They took the stuff from what regularly they dealt with and was a regular source of income. Then the Bible talks about how they, some people gave thread or spices or oil. All of these are things that were not available to them, but they had to gain by trading. In other words, they gave somebody their money now who went to another country, got the stuff that was necessary, and came back. It was an investment for them in order to get that thread, to get that spice back. They had to make an investment. Then there were other folks that gave gold or silver or bronze or jewels, which are those items that are more, uh, th th more long-term kind of situations, and they would be considered interest-bearing sources because you would gain interest. The more you kept it, the more valuable it would be, and you could pass it on to your loved ones. Am I making sense? So people looked at the different ways that they could give and made their determination. They had a plan for how to give to God and the various sources that it could come from. Are you following what I'm saying? Everybody saying, all right, pastor, hurry up. All right. I want you to notice, first of all, that when, when God asked for this significant sacrifice, first of all, Abraham developed a plan. But secondly, I want you to see that in verse 3, that he obeyed immediately. He didn't hem and haw on it. He didn't let it sit. Well, let, let me think about this. The Lord spoke. He got up early the next morning. Listen, if you sit on anything God has said to you, I promise you, you will rationalize yourself out of obedience. Because you'll come up with every way why you shouldn't, why you can't, why it couldn't be done. And, look, and God, you need to ask somebody else. It's true. The Bible says that God spoke and Abraham got up early that morning and he went exactly where God told him to go. If you are going to be a part of making a significant sacrifice for God, you have to set in your mind, I can't wait on this. I've got to figure out immediately how I'm going to obey, not if I'm going to obey. Here's the third thing. He figured out how God was going to do this as he was obeying. <laughs> look, at, look at verse 7 of Genesis 22. They're on their way to the place of sacrifice. Now, Isaac is apparently at least 7, but most scholars think probably between 13 and, 13 and 15 years old. As they're trying to go to the place of the sacrifice, what normally happens to most of us parents or grandparents, the little one asks a real good question you don't have an answer for. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, uh, Daddy. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, okay, I see the fire because you're going to need that for the sacrifice. I get that. I see the wood. That makes sense too. But where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. Seems like we're missing something important. And as most of us do, who don't have an answer, when we're asked a real good question, it kind of gives you pause to try to figure out, am I going to lie? Am I going to make it up? 
or am I going to tell the truth? Don't look at me in that judgmental tone of voice. You don't try to figure out how to lie to your kid before. You don't know where wind comes from. Isaac says, Daddy, I see the fire, I see the wood, but there's no lamb. Something is missing. And Abraham, his trust was in God, but he didn't know how God was going to work. So notice what he says. He says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. I don't know how. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to talk him out of making you the lamb. I, I don't know how all of the details work out, but I know God. And because I know God, God has got a way to figure this out. God is going to provide. God is going to make ways. I know every bill is going to be paid. I know everything's going to work out. I know I'm not going to get put out of my house. I know I'm not going to have to skimp on insurance for my car. I, I can trust God. I can obey God. And I don't have to know details. I'm going to figure it out when I see. So much so <laughs> that in verse 14, after God does what only God can provide and show enough stops him from sacrificing his own son and says to him, I need you to look over there because there's a ram in the bush. And as soon as he found the ram to become the sacrifice, he named that place Jehovah Jireh. He said, I am reminded that God's covenant name is when he sees where I am, he knows how to provide exactly what I need for wherever I am. That's his name. That's how he is. That's what he do. He is the God that provides everything that I need as long as I am obedient to him, as long as I got a plan, as long as I get in a hurry to obey, God will step in in and make up the difference of the stuff that I don't have to figure it out I know my God can because he's proven himself he's shown himself to be strong he's shown me before that he is Jehovah Jireh that he is the God that provides so I'm not afraid of whatever God asks me to give and it might hurt and it might make me say ouch and I may not know how to figure it out but I know his name and his name is his reputation. Back in April, somebody put a lie out on me. Somebody told somebody, don't even go to this church. Mm -hmm, your pastor was looking at me. He was trying to get with me. And watch this. This person doesn't even go to this church. But she called the church office and said, that's not his reputation. So I know it's a lie, but y'all need to know a lie is out there. When your name is your reputation, the reputation will keep you in spite of the struggle, in spite of the storm, in spite of the test. And God's name is Jehovah Jireh. He is the covenant God who provides so you can give a sacrifice and not lack. You can bless and not have to be blessed. You can stand on what God says and know that everything is going to be provided for because God will provide for himself.
I don't need to worry about how. That's his job. And he has staked his reputation on not leaving me hanging when I obey with a plan. You, you ever been one of them services where they, where they say, I need everybody with $100 to stand up. There's a special $100 blessing. And it, now listen, some of us in here, let's be honest, some of us are manipulatable. Because we stood up with $100 and be like, Lord, I don't know where I'm going to get my rent. But I need a blessing. Don't act like I'm the only one who done gave by faith and praying they hurry up and cash that check. Because it might turn into rubber. Watch this. God isn't into emotional giving. Why would he ask you to give and then let you be in lack? He wants us to obey, yes. He wants us to obey with a plan. This is the time when God is calling us to make a significant sacrifice. But notice when God called Abraham in verse 1, Abraham was already listening. Which begs the question. Are you ready to listen to his voice, to hear what he wants to ask? Or have you made up in your mind a gift to give that's comfortable for you? I ain't going to lie. When God said two million, I said, Lord, I already got my number. This is what I can, I got a child going to college. I got another child who's a $75 a day habit. <laughs> my wife looked too good not to take out to eat every once in a while, so here's my number. This is what I can do. I wasn't listening to what he asked me. I wasn't ready to step out on faith. Quit trying to figure out how not to obey. Or how to get by on the least a bit, least bit possible. Listen for what he has to say. So there's going to be some time next month where we spend a few days in prayer and fasting to make sure we hear him when he calls. See the Lord how see how the Lord worked that out. He's Jehovah Jireh. He provides what we need when we obey with a plan. So I've given you this information. I've put it in your hand. We're going to make it available on the website. It'll be plastered everywhere. But the question between now and October 28th for many of us is, what's our plan? What's the number that he's put in our hearts? To see Homestead and Florida City transformed. Am I listening to him? How can I obey God and get this thing done? For some folks in here, you can't even get to that point because there's an issue in your life. 
that God has been asking you to make the sacrifice to give up what you think you need in order to gain what only he can give. And you keep running back to that thing and trying to protect it from God. God, I don't know who I'm going to be if I give this up. That's the point. He wants to transform you. He wants to make you a new creation. So he's going to ask you, give me your Isaac. Give me that thing that you think you need to make it. For some folks, that's a mindset. For some folks, it's a relationship. For some folks, it's a dependency issue. For other folks, it's just your stubbornness. You think you're so smart, you can figure things out, and you don't need God's help on some stuff. God says, give me that. Let me have that. Today, my prayer is that all of us begin the process of opening up to God to hear what it is that he wants to say. What he's asking for, that we would have enough faith, enough courage, enough gumption to say, here it is. I don't know how I'm going to look. I don't know how this is going to work out. But here's my plan to give you what you're asking for. Because I don't want anything to be withheld by me that could keep you from blessing me. If this is your will, you can have whatever I got. But you've got to hear his voice. You've got to be willing to obey, and you've got to have a plan. I need everybody standing on your feet. I need you to clear your hands if you can. Clear your hands. There was a particular time in my life when I wasn't necessarily walking with the Lord. I found myself in a situation backing out of a warehouse with a box where the police officer said, put the box down and put your hands up. And at that point, I had to let go of what I was after and surrender to the authority. The reason why I need you to clear your hands is because I need you to drop what you were after. I need you to lift your hands in surrender to the authority of God. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we surrender to you and to your authority. We ask, oh God, that you would speak to us. That we would hear your voice very clearly. Even if what you're asking for is significant to us. We give you at least permission to say it. Then God, work in our hearts, work in our minds, 
that we would be willing to let go of it in order to gain what you desire for us. God, speak now. Where it's a sin issue, help us to let it go. Where it's a dependency issue, help us to love you more than it. Where it's a person, we trust that you are Jehovah Jireh. You can give back who we need if we give you who we can't hold on to. Father, we declare we are your servants. We are your people. We think we can do this on our own, but we need you. And so, Father, as a sign of surrender, as a sign of submission, we lift our hands. We let go of our pursuits, of our desires, of our wants. We want what you say. We want what you have. Now, ah, Father, break it in the name of Jesus. Break that dependency. Break that stubbornness in the name of Jesus.